Welcome to the Configure Price Quote Podcast. My name is Frank Sohn and I'm the founder of NoCBQ Consulting. This podcast is 100% focused on Configure Price Quote, also known as CPQ, and will provide you useful insights into this topic. My guest today is David Silverman. David is the owner, CTO, and principal consultant at Eastline. Eastline provides a number of CPQ-related products and services. For example, they offer a product to translate SAP variant configuration rules to other CPQ solutions like Oracle and Tacton. David is based out of Providence, Rhode Island. David, welcome to the CPQ podcast. Thank you. David, I think you're one of the very experienced resources around the CPQ area. You have started working with this a long time ago. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that, how you got started working with CPQ? In the beginning, my interest was in artificial intelligence and uh, knowledge-based systems. And then after some years uh, building development tools for uh, creating knowledge-based systems, a kind of subgenre of that was uh, configurators and product configurators and SAP approached my company IntelliCorp at the time and asked for help in building a object system for a Java version that they were building of the SAP uh, variant configuration tool. And uh, that became the IPC. So I've worked on the, I like to say I've worked on the C and the P of the IPC back in the 90s, mid 90s, I guess. And that's how I got started on product configuration and pricing. David, you also spent some time in Germany in the 90s. How was it? And what did you learn in Germany about product configuration and CPQ? And why did you go to Germany? Well, my dream was always to experience other cultures while working. And that came true a couple of times. In I actually worked in Munich uh, for IntelliCorp for four years and then went back to California started a family, worked on the configurator there with the SAP team. And then I had a chance to go back to or go back to Germany um, in place of a German friend who uh, who worked at the company who didn't really wasn't ready to go back. He liked California and I wanted to go to Germany. So we agreed to, to basically swap. Um, so I had a chance to go back and this time to to Waldorf, the basically center of the universe for SAP. <laughs> And so we lived in Heidelberg, and I uh, I commuted by usually by bicycle or train to uh, to Waldorf. And I think yeah, Heidelberg is nice. Waldorf is for everyone who's not from Germany, hasn't been there. It's not the center of the world, but it's still it's the SAP center of the world. <laughs> uh, now, what did you learn in Germany uh, about product configuration? What was interesting, especially if you compare to what was known in the U.S. at the time? Well, most I mean, the beginning of my time in Germany was uh, was after the the time we spent uh, creating the initial IPC. So it was actually a, an assignment about pricing. But uh, after that, we started doing consulting on the IPC. So I learned about what European customers were doing uh, already, whether it was uh, starting from paper catalogs or Excel sheets or perhaps uh, SAP VC itself and trying to improve what they were doing um, or legacy configurators. And uh, so I think the, the main experience was the uh, on the product itself in order to understand how the constraint satisfaction worked and how even there's a little bit of prologue inside SAP prologue inside of the original uh, VC mm. and then of course applying it to uh, to multiple customers with very different scenarios 
And now, I mean, you have a lot of experience. You have worked a long time with this. And at that time, CPQ was not the household name as it is right now or a marketing term that you hear everywhere, right? So as when you started working on this, uh, how did you learn about it? Uh, were there any specific people, any specific books, documents, uh, something that helped you to understand the whole area better? Well, this was before the SAP variant configuration book was created. Uh, we wrote a couple of chapters for it, by the way. But um, uh, so I guess the main thing was uh, learning about the, the VC itself. There was documentation. I was since I was stationed at SAP most of the time. Um, you know, I had a bunch of colleagues that had very, uh, very good expertise and very good knowledge of the of the SAP products. Excellent. What do you think can universities and colleges do to educate and prepare more people for CPQ-related jobs? Sending them to uh, industry or, uh, or educational meetings, like the, in the case of SAP, the, there's a user group called the Configuration Workgroup, uh, which is quite useful for, uh, for learning what companies are doing and what products, uh, product enhancements there are, especially from SAP. And now, when you look at the current situation in the CPQ space, what do you think is the most interesting thing for you personally? For me personally, it's always been about, there's always been an undercurrent of improving the way that we construct product models and the, the software engineering aspect of, of the creation of the models and the manipulation of the data. Um, so that's why we're doing things like translation and analyzing automatically critiquing uh, people's models, sort of a model code review, let's say, and uh, other, other tools that have to do with uh, the software engineering process. And I will ask you a little bit more about that in a minute. But first, uh, I think it would help if you could maybe explain in a couple of sentences what eSpline does, what products and services you offer, so that our listeners have a better understanding of who eSpline is and what you do. Okay, so we are a one-stop shop in terms of uh, everything related to SAP product configuration. So we do things like extracting SAP models, uh, VC models, to analyze them, to document them, to compare them again over time or across different systems, to basically manage all aspects of the creation and maintenance process of building and maintaining uh, SAP product models. And uh, with CPQ, it's a matter of uh, often customers have so many person years invested in the construction and maintenance that I just mentioned that unlocking that value and putting it into CPQ with a automatic process is uh, very useful. And, and so that's exciting because we have built tools over the years that, that do exactly that. And I have one question uh, concerning that, is especially right now, since SAP acquired Calidus Cloud, will that impact you uh, one way or another? Well, of course, SAP will be pushing Calidus Cloud more than, uh, and so there's competition for the CPQ vendors with whom we've been working. Uh, we also have, because we are experienced with IPC, um, and that is another kind of a translation I don't think SAP has announced too much about what they're what they will be doing, but they have the same issue for any VC customer to unlock the value in the in the product models that are in SAP VC and to put them into Kali's cloud, and uh, so we can fill the gaps around whatever SAP doesn't do. But I think it's not just SAP that you're working with, right? So I mentioned also, also in the introduction that you're working with Oracle and Tucton. Do you have any other partners, and how do you work with them? 
Yes, we have several vendors, um, some of whom don't publish the fact that we're working with them, but we we create translations from SABBC using the patterns that we find in models that customers create. And we extract the models from SAP and then there's a transformation process in multiple stages to produce the output or call the APIs that load this the data in an equivalent fashion into the CPQ tool. And this can include master data like the, the objects, all the objects having to do with product configuration, which we will call a knowledge base or a container, or everything you need to configure externally. Uh, it can also include materials and customers and material variants and other kinds of master data objects. And is that a one-time transition that you do, or is that a real-time connection? I was expecting it to be both. That is, uh, some customers want to continue maintaining in SAP in the VC, and that was the original idea and, and still is for the IPC itself. Uh, SAP CPQ is a little bit different in that you can maintain externally to the VC. But that was the original idea, and that is still the most common that we find in CPQ uh, translations. But uh, ongoing, so ongoing needs to be a little less pretty, let's say, because if it's a one-time conversion, then it has to be human-readable and maintainable in CPQ. But otherwise, the tools are quite similar, and we provide the ability to to uh, to do either. Now, one question. I know that uh, we have classified you as a, a firm who provides an accelerator tool, so speeds up the implementation of a, a, pr a product, right? So, But how is the customer going to see or experience EastBlind? Like, for example, we mentioned Oracle and Tacton. How, how does the customer see that you're involved as well? Well, if you're talking about Oracle and Tacton and, and projects where we move SAP variant configuration data into CPQ, then we get involved to enhance the product to do more translations. So some patterns, the, the core of the language is translated in, in the standard products, but there's sometimes a fringe which has to be um, considered and, and translated as part of the project. So that's one way we're involved. We're also involved early on in estimating the implementation uh, project and supporting the vendor in in getting over to CPQ. David, who is an ideal customer for you? And do you focus on specific industries and geographies? Historically, we mainly have customers in Europe and in the US, but uh, we do have, on occasion, we have some interactions with customers in Asia as well. And do you focus on specific industries? Well, we really follow what SAP VC customers are using and uh, which, which customers are in, in the industries that that the product is supporting and uh, and the usage patterns. So, you know, manufacturing, uh, discrete uh, industries is quite common, uh, sometimes in things like insurance, but, uh, you know, computer hardware, anything from, I, I usually say anything from labels to airplanes and power plants. Now, I think one question which is interesting for every customer is also how a typical project looks like for you. So if I'm a customer, I have an SAP system, I have VC or IPC product models in my system, want to use another tool like what we mentioned earlier, Oracle, Tacton or uh, other tools. What, what does the project typically look like? How long is it? How many people are involved? And what's required from the customer point of view? It can be relatively short because we do automate a lot of the process, but uh, there is, a, as I said before, there's a fringe which has to be considered uh, 
where although we've translated a lot of the language, we don't do every possible corner case and quirk. Um, there's many different ways to say things in the BC. So we can, in translation, you can either modify the source, which generally our customers are reluctant to do because it's been tried and true and tested for a long period of time. So it's generally easier to modify the way that we transform the, the data and rules into the target. Now, you've been involved in many projects over the years, I'm sure. And so I would like to understand from what you have observed and learned from all these projects, what is important for customers to look at to ensure that they have a successful project? Well, with configurator projects and pricing, I think one really important aspect is getting the right expertise. So there's generally a training component or knowledge transfer, which And that's why we offer training. That's why we we come into a project and assess. I mean, different projects are different. Like translation project is quite different from a legacy into SAP migration or uh, an evaluation of uh, why our, our models are running slowly or how can we maintain them more easily? How can we acquire this other company's assets and their product models and and use this, uh, reduce the number of standards that we use to, to make things more uniform. There's all kinds of stories like this in the, in the projects that we do. Are there any challenges that you have run into repeatedly over the years in the different kind of projects that you have worked on, where you'd say now, if the customer had done this differently, then the project would have been better? Well, yeah, we certainly notice if a customer has done things uniformly, Because there can be a lot of repetition in the creation of product models, and if uh, but there also each person could do something quite different, different naming conventions, different kinds of rules that are used, you know, constraints versus uh, procedures, for example, uh, is, a, is a huge difference. And often there there's no rhyme or reason to why a particular technique was used. So we have tools that will encourage people, like a health check, that will encourage people to to notice that they're using an anti-pattern and to switch or at least to get that feedback from the way that the company wants to standardize on which kind of technique. And if they do have standards and are using or sort of solving the same design challenge with the same solution, then you know it's easier to test, it's easier to translate, everything gets uh, simpler. And here, a quick note regarding our new and free CPQ Circle community. Stay up to date with the latest CPQ knowledge from many CPQ vendors, system integrators, researchers, and customers by checking out our new CPQ Circle community. Read CPQ-specific industry articles, best practice, learn about job opportunities, and much more. Because you can learn something, benefit from it, and because it's free. Check it out at www.novocpq.com. Look for resource and then select CPQ Circle Community. Make sure to check back regularly because the content will change frequently. The content is provided by all CPQ Circle subscribers. Do you also provide tips and tricks about how customers can or should maintain their product models? We generally address it either in our trainings or in the tool that I mentioned, the health check. So uh, we give trials of, of these tools and we basically <clears throat> run extractions of customer models and automatically critique them by 
listing the, the occurrences of anti-patterns that uh, we suggest making changes to with different levels of severity. Like some are error, <laughs> change this, and some are just uh, warnings or information. If we look at a couple of examples maybe of these best practices, right, for the SAP BC stands for Variant Configuration, IPC is Internet Pricing and Configurator. When, when you look at these, so I mean... Still a lot of customers use these tools, right? So what are some best practices if they want to switch from these cool tools that I just mentioned to whatever the, the new front-end tool is that they want to use? Is, is there anything that you think is worth sharing? Well, when we come into the project, generally, it's I guess it depends on whether you're doing automatic translation or not. So uh, we just discussed some that using uniform design solutions will help the translation process and that's true whether you're doing things completely automated or uh, or manually david what kind of projects do you work on and what can listeners do to prepare for a project with you the kind of projects we work on include product modeling from scratch translations from legacy into sap uh, for product models again uh, everything to do with the sap product configurators um, Translations to CPQ or varying configuration modeling and advisory services. We have tools that support that as well, um, um, even going to, uh, if you consider IPC a kind of CPQ, uh, we help customers to modify their VC models so that they can be compatible with IPC. To prepare, um, it's actually not necessary to do much preparation. We always appreciate when customers uh, know exactly what their requirements are, but we also uh, are used to doing discovery. So it tends to require some amount of understanding the architecture and uh, the goals, um, what the current state of the of the master data, the product models is or are. Um, what, you know, we, we ask questions like, what's the data volume? So there's some sort of checklist or preparation list that we, that we ask, but, um, but then we basically collaborate with our customer to to uh, understand the requirements and to design solutions, whether automated or manual. And then when you do these kinds of projects, and we mentioned multiple different projects before, right? But do you see any patterns where things fall apart, where they fail, where you say, hey, if you would have done this and this, we could have prevented this, right? Is, uh, is, is there anything um, that, that's common concerning mistakes across these different projects? Well, once we get started on a translation project, for example, then the, I mean, the basically the there is a, a one common misconception or or maybe it becomes an error uh, in the project, which is that everything is automated and the as the project goes forward, it, things that are not yet automated, so there's not it's not a full hundred percent translation. So as the uh, Patterns that are that are not yet translated are being created, are being developed. The customer tends to measure <clears throat> by the, the total number of product models that are being translated. But in an automatic translation project, you're basically constructing a program that will do the translation. And there's a kind of a hockey stick where the number of models that you're translating is completely is very low. It's not like you're doing it manually one by one. So once you have constructed enough of the missing translations then suddenly the that small number of models that are that are working because they're relatively simple suddenly it skyrockets to the uh, the 
number of models that are now being fully translated because you've implemented all the patterns that uh, most of the models have. So if you kind of sort of lose faith in the automation and say, well, we need this metric of the total number of models to, to go up, then uh, that can actually cause enough of a problem that you might think that, okay, we just have to do this manually now. What advice would you give to customers that want to compare various accelerator or translation tools? Well, there are other translations, of course, mm -hmm. and in comparing those, the main thing is how accurate they are, uh, because it's not so simple to test product configurations. So SAP took some years to develop the IPC, for example, and the goal, of course, was to make it as similar to the VC as possible. But even there, there's the famous delta list, the list of differences between VC and IPC, and it gets very technical. And there used to be 50 or so entries on that list. And so any translation is not going to be at 100%. And so the question is, does the gap matter? And how hard is it to fill it? Does the company that offers the tool, do they have the expertise and, and the staff to, to and the tools to quickly analyze what's missing and um, how difficult will it be to add it? So experience in doing translations or ETLs, extract, transform, and load processes, um, the ability to do it uh, en masse. So having, you know, some companies have actually I've encountered one company that has one product model for their entire product line, and then the other at the other extreme, there are thousands of uh, simple models, relatively simple models. And so if you're doing translations of something that you modify frequently that has thousands of modifications, it's probably not that common, but then uh, it's, of course, important to fully automate it and to, and to make sure that uh, everything is being translated correctly that you can put faith in the in the translation now what uh, from your point of view what's the is the next most interesting development for for you and for eSpline well right now we're trying to execute on the promise of automation tools for managing the VC creation process or or uh, other SAP configurators and also in the automation for as customers select CPQ tools, we were basically helping them in, in designing these processes to automate the creation of the of the CPQ models in CPQ. So we're spending that's where things are getting exciting at the moment. If our listeners want to learn a little bit more about eSpline, get a better idea on how that looks like, what's a good place to go to to see that to experience eSpline in action? Well, eastpline.com, of course, www.eastpline.com is a place to find information, but generally customers contact us to ask for a trial of the products Avenue Managing BC or a demo, which we generally give live. And um, we can, so we can give a trial to customers that, uh, for example, the Managing BC uh, tool set or moving product models in SAP from one place to another, one system and client to another. Uh, these tools are accessible on a trial basis. The translation, generally, we we engage with uh, prospects in a way that um, basically we ask them to do an, an extract of their of representative product models, and then we more or less press the translate button and and show them 
what it looks like in, C in CPQ. Excellent. So, and if somebody has any questions, what's a good way for them to get in contact with you? Generally by email or through the website, um, they can ask questions and, and uh, we get back to them. And you want to share any email address, Twitter handle, LinkedIn proof? I have an idea of what, whatever uh, you think is appropriate. My email address, david.silverman at eastline.com. Excellent. We will have all this information in the show notes also. David, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to tell us a little bit more about what Eastline does. You're welcome. Thank you, Frank. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and hope you learned something interesting today. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes or share it with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, you can find us online at www.novocpq.com. So long, everyone. 